Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shiroki, and today we are going to continue our look at the Law of Moses. We are going to look in, we are actually in Exodus chapter 39. Um, we have this chapter and Exodus 40 left, and that's going to do it for the book of Exodus. So, we worked our way all the way from Exodus 19 all the way up to the end of the book. Again, um, what I wanted to do, my whole intention with that was to basically go through the Law of Moses, study. Um, I know I've learned a lot about um, the Law of Moses that I did not know prior to doing any of this. So it's been a real blessing for me just to get to know a little bit more about the Lord, you know, about his ways, his order. Um, the way he instructed Moses is pretty incredible. And the way, um, you know, the way he um, is very detailed in what he, ta- you know, what he commands Moses to do. And again, Moses being a very educated uh, young man, you know, an older man at this point when he's having these experiences with the Lord and um, carrying out these tasks. But he, um, you know, again, was very well educated in his time in Egypt. He was... Um, uh, very intelligent. He was very experienced, had a background full of different types of experiences, different types of skills and crafts. And again, the Lord picks the exact perfect person to fulfill and carry out his will for certain things in this world. And it's absolutely incredible when you think about that. Um, you know, the, um, (laughs) the world loves to mock Christians and loves to mock Christianity, but it's really, um, if they would take a step back and really, um, look at who Christians are and what they accomplish in the world, um, I think they should, um, you know, be a little more humble than they are sometimes towards the way that they just want to kind of mock and, um, you know, treat us as if we are the ones who are um, just blindly walking through life. Frankly, it's the complete opposite direction. It's the complete opposite way around. We have a side of life that they don't get to experience, which is a spiritual side of life. You know, that happens when we have faith, we place our faith, we place our lives in Jesus Christ. We ask him, we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. He fills us with his Holy Spirit, and then we become alive, and then he begins to work in our life. It's an absolutely incredible, surreal experience. I know for me, you know, as I'm 42 and about to turn 43 at the end of the summer, uh, it took me a long time to really be comfortable with who I was as a Christian. And those times and years of kind of being tossed to and fro in the world, if you will, you know, really cost me a lot um, as far as I, who knows what it cost me, frankly, but I will say this, it was all preparation for where I am right here and now at this moment in life. And God, that's how he, he's so amazing and wonderful that God uses everything that we go through in life, the good, the bad, and the ugly to teach us, mold us, and shape us into the image of his son Jesus Christ in all different ways that we just can't even comprehend but the spiritual reality to that and the implications are absolutely incredible and me personally you know I have to go through I had to go through a lot of different things in different areas of my life to become the man who I am today and like I always say 
you know, our lives are comprised basically of a very, if you look at it at a micro level, we make decisions daily in life. We make, if you really think about it, we make hundreds of decisions every day, small decisions they are, but still decisions that can literally, like the butterfly effect, have a completely shifting um, effect on our lives, you know, um, as simple as choosing what route you might take to go somewhere. I mean, you may take one route that may be accident free, but God forbid you may take another route that may, you know, have harm in your way. I mean, it's literally life is that precious that you cannot underestimate exactly how important every detail of life is. And when you look at the way the Lord really honed in and described everything to Moses here, it's just, it it reminds me of that similar type of reality where he leaves nothing to be questioned and he's very explicit and precise, again, in his instruction to Moses as he is when when we accept him and allow him to become the Lord of our lives. Not only our saviors, because, you know, it's great to have Jesus Christ as your savior, but the really important part is to have him be the Lord of your life. Give him every single area of your life, yield fully to his will, and let him show you his purposes for your life. Be patient. Pray always. Put on the whole armor of God every morning when you wake up. You know, if you don't know what that is, look in Ephesians chapter 6. There are, God gives us everything we need in his living word. From Genesis through Revelation, he reveals himself fully to us. As much as we can comprehend him right now, that is. And um, look, uh, you know, again, I always go back and I'm just blown away by the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ himself said it is better for him to go up and be seated at the right hand of the Father so that he can send the Holy Spirit to indwell in his people. And um, that is absolutely incredible stuff in the reality of the spiritual realm, what that does for us. You know, it breaks the chains of sin. It completely opens our eyes, gives us, um, you know, spiritual, the ability to have, um, I guess you could say, uh, our eyes open to things that we wouldn't prior to giving our lives to the Lord. You know, um, there's really nothing like having the spiritual discernment to understand what's going on in real time when you're going through something, you know, um, just today I had, um, an experience where, um, uh, basically, uh, my girlfriend's son was going through some real hard times and, you know, um, it's amazing how God will just put something on your heart and really let you kind of just, you know, give advice that has to be given or give perspective that has to be given or just say a prayer that has to be said, you know? I mean, that's the incredible thing with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. Anything he asks us to do and commands us to do, he already has given us the tools to do it. With Moses, he had the knowledge, he had the experience. He was the perfect man for that job. And for me personally, 
um, you know, I'm in a position where I can teach, where I can do this, where I can enjoyably study the Bible daily and I can use my daily Bible study and my knowledge of the Word of God to be able to help other people too and to really help give perspective. And that's something that, you know, we can't underestimate that. And, you know, it's a real shame when I see a lot of the church, especially, I mean, people that are saved and believe in the Lord that aren't really taking hold of everything God gives us, mainly the Holy Spirit. And sadly, it's usually because they want to hold on to a sinful part of their life, which is just ruining their lives in reality. But they're too caught up. Sin makes us stupid, as one of my favorite pastors, Greg Laurie, always says. Sin just makes you do dumb, dumb things. It blinds us. It blinds us to the... um, to the effectiveness of something as simple as prayer, for example. Prayer is absolutely essential in our lives as believers. Jesus himself prayed all the time. He prayed. <laughs> There's, I mean, it seems like Jesus is off praying half the time in his ministry more than he's actually speaking to people. And, um, There's a lot to be said about that. He's our example. He's our perfect example. He's our blueprint. He's our type. He's who we follow. So that's who we should be modeling our daily lives after, you know? It's absolutely incredible when I think about the reality of having Jesus Christ be the constant in my life, meaning that no matter what happens in this life and in this world, the fact that the reality of Jesus Christ is has settled my heart to a point of where I know what direction I'm going no matter what, that's absolutely incredible. God is good. God tells us to be patient. God tells us to wait on Him when we need to. When we pray for things, God doesn't always answer our prayers right away. He could answer in three ways. Yes, no, or wait. They're the three answers we will get. And I'll tell you what, I have been praying for a long, long time. I have been um, obeying the Lord in his word. I've been, again, it has nothing to do with salvation. This isn't works. This isn't anything. This is just my heart. And this is what God showed me to simply, this is this is what we're called to. So um, they, they, I, I, you know, with my past experience when I was younger with legalism, it's, I always have to defend that in a sense of, of and, and it's for good reason, because legalism, you know, as I go through, I can't wait after we finish Exodus, I'm going to jump back into the New Testament, really looking forward to getting into, again, that teaching I have from Romans, and then looking into the book of Galatians, because I think Galatians is going to be the perfect book to look at right now, as we're smack dab in the middle of the law to take a quick little break from the, um, studying, you know, this, the, um, Torah essentially, and then going into Galatians where Paul just lays it out because what the, what the people of that time were trying to do, the religious leaders, they were trying to get people into legalism. They were trying to say faith in Jesus Christ and salvation through him wasn't enough. You still need to follow the law. And that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus fulfilled the law. We are not under a yoke. We are not under bondage. We are under freedom, liberty, and joy 
in salvation through Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to live. By his good grace, I waited for so long and prayed, for example. And I, I, you know, I can't, I can't not say it. I mean, I prayed for God to put a woman in my life for a long time. I was patient. And again, I did it his way and he honored and blessed that. And to say I am beyond blessed with the woman he put in my life is an absolute understatement. She's literally the perfect woman for me and was so worth the wait and all the experiences I had to go through to get to this point in my life. But God's just good. He loves his children and he blesses us when we're ready to be blessed. He doesn't always give what we want when we want it, but he definitely gives us what we need when we need it. And, you know, why God chose this time? I don't know, but I'm so thankful and grateful that he did because, again, I have been blessed with just a, a whole new side of life that, frankly, I've never even experienced before. And um, I'm excited for the future with her. And um, I just, you know, we're we're just taking things one day at a time. We're, we're honoring God in every area of our life, life together. And, you know, I believe we have a great, tremendous, bright future ahead of us. And I'm so excited about that. And, um, you know, <laughs> what can I say? When you meet the one, you know you met the one. And um, I can say with full 100% confidence, by the good grace of God, I'm putting this on the air, essentially, that I've met the one. And I'm very blessed, humbled, and grateful and thankful. But that's not the point of this episode. The point of this episode is to look at Exodus chapter 39, where oh, this is one of my favorite elements to the um, instruction that Moses was given, because we already looked at looking at the tabernacle construction, looking at the instruments and the, the different tools to be used for the sacrificial official rituals now we're actually going to look at the making of the garments of the priesthood the making and then to break that down we're looking going to look at the making of the ephod the breastplate the other priestly garments and then the work is completed and that's when they finally actually in chapter 40 they're going to erect and arrange the tabernacle and actually begin to perform the um, sacrificial offerings for the first time in the nation of Israel, the first time where there's actually going to be blood shed for the sins of God's people. Just as Jesus Christ came, he shed his blood for his people, for the Gentiles. What an honor and amazing just gift it is by his good grace to be part of that promise he made to Abraham so long ago. That's why I can't wait to look at Galatians. Paul speaks about all of it and just lays it out so beautifully. But to really be part of God's family, to be called one of his children as a Gentile, and to be part of that promise and that gift and that nation. You know, there's two... Oh, man, it's just so amazing. There, when it's, The tree of life, the, the root of David, Jesus Christ, who he is... There's two branches that come off of that tree. There's the nation of Israel, and then there's us, the Gentiles, that are grafted into that tree. And how amazing it is to be one of those blessed children of the Lord. So humbling. I'm so grateful. I'm thankful for everything he's done in my life up to this point. God has carried me through 
some real crazy times in life. And, um, you know, it's just, it's by his good grace that I'm here able to do this and able to really just share my thoughts and do this uh, amazing teaching. So without any further ado, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 39. Okay, and like I said, we're going to start Exodus. We're going to look at Exodus 39. We're going to look at verse 1, and we'll go from there. My Spirit-Filled Life, New King James Version Bible, subtitles this section, Making the Garments of the Priesthood. Of the blue, purple, and scarlet thread, they made garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place and made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord had commanded Moses. So what we're going to do is flip back to the notes on Exodus chapter 28 verses 1 through 43 that really kind of um, give a good explanation for exactly what what we're going to look at here in Exodus 39. So those notes in my spiritual filled life, New King James Version Bible say, Aaron's garments were different from those of the others because he was the highest representative. All others were subordinate to him. As high priest, Aaron was Israel's chief representative before God. Conversely, he was God's representative before the people. Aaron was a type of Christ, who was our high priest. So I'll stop there, and we're going to be flipping back and forth between the notes for um, in Exodus, essentially Exodus 28, because again, most of this is in Exodus 28 is the instruction of Moses, and now as we look at Exodus 39, we're looking at the actual um, execution of those instructions, or the actual, um, you know, again, the um, construction or um, assembly of the priestly garments in this case. So next we're going to look at Exodus 39. We're going to look and be in verses 2 through 7. This is called Making the Ephod. He made the ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and of fine woven linen. And they beat the gold into thin sheets and cut it into threads to work in it with the blue, purple, and scarlet thread and the fine linen into artistic designs. They made shoulder straps for it to couple it together. It was coupled together at its two edges. And the intricacy woven band, or excuse me, intricately woven band of his ephod that was on it was of the same workmanship, woven of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and of fine woven linen as the Lord had commanded Moses. And they set onyx stones enclosed in settings of gold. They were engraved as signets are engraved with the names of the sons of Israel. He put them on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So let's take a look at that word memorial there that's used, and then we'll flip back to look at the notes for this section. The actual word memorial is zikronon. Zikronon, excuse me. A memorial, remembrance, record, memento, a written record, a momentous event which is long to be remembered, occurring 24 times, zikron is derived from the verb, verb zakar, to remember. The first occurrence of zikron in scripture concerns the Passover, the day, the ceremony, 
and the meal constitute a memorial of God's mighty deeds. In the present reference, the stones representing the 12 tribes were placed on the ephod, which served to remind the high priest of each tribe by name. Compare Joshua 4.7. In Matthew 3.16, or excuse me, in Malachi 3.16, God made up a book of remembrance, where those who think often of him are listed, and will someday be like the jewels over Aaron's heart. So I we will look at that someday because that's a pretty interesting little passage and excerpt there. But before we do, I actually want to flip back and look at the notes for the ephod back in Exodus chapter 28, verses 5 through 14, where it says, The ephod was an elaborate four-piece vest-like garment by which Aaron symbolically wore on his shoulders in God, into God's presence. Um so again, I love the picture and what's described with the ephod because, again, that's Aaron basically having Israel on his shoulders as he goes into the most holy and interacts with the Lord, um, which is just very symbolic, very incredible stuff. Again, all of this has a lot of deep spiritual meaning, but um, these are just physical representations of what's going on spiritually. It's, um, again, very interesting and um, very humbling to be a part of this entire nation and chosen people group by God himself. Again, predestination is not saying that God went and said, you're going to be saved, you're going to hell, you're going to, you're going to be saved, you're going to hell. That's not predestination. Predestination is more of a macro concept of God's plan for man and for the Gentiles, for example. Now, God knows who's going to be saved and who's not, but he doesn't make that choice for us. He gives us a free will to choose to do whatever we want with the time we have on this earth. So um, there's, you know, there's different lines of thinking, Calvinists, Arminians, different, you know, groups, but who, you know, basically misinterpret scripture. But the important part, again, is to remember, because look, when you buy into those types of thinking, too, if you think you're predestined, then that means you would probably come to the conclusion that, well, if God handpicked you to hear his word, for example, that you can just live any life you want because you're going to go to heaven anyway. That's not true. That's I'm not judging anybody. I'm not saying where somebody's going to go if they, for example, um, backslide or, or in a different state or in a bad state when they pass away, for example. I have no idea how all that works, frankly. Um, I may get into some more deeper study of that at a time and may address it. But as of right now, all I can say is we all have a free will. We all choose to do everything like I started with in, in the open. You know, we make decisions every day on a micro level and on a macro level. You know, we make big decisions as well. I was, you know, and I touched on it in the opening of just saying, you know, daily decisions guide our lives. And but there's also big decisions, you know, um, what you're going to do for a career, what, if you're going to go to college, where you're going to go to college, if you're going to go in the military, what branch are you going to go in? If you're going to go into a trade school, what is your trade going to be? If you're going to um, serve the Lord, you're going to what 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 type of, uh, you know, ministry do you want to get into? Um, these are all things that the Lord will guide us and show us the ways as we take steps of faith. And our feet are lit by the Holy Spirit and by his living word, which is this Bible right here, um, this living word of God. It's, you know, um, 
it's essential that we understand that we choose how we we basically choose our destiny and fate you know we choose our outcomes before they're even um before they come to pass if you will in certain aspects and regards as well so you know if you make a lot of poor choices in life well you're probably not going to be very successful in life but if you make good choices in life then you'd be surprised how um you know if they line up with the will of god then God will bless that. And, um, you know, you'll be amazed at what God can do with a little bit of submission and a little bit of yes, Lord. Um, he can take that a long, long way. And, um, you know, God uses the meek. He uses the humble. He resists the proud. And, um, you know, he loves, God loves a contrite spirit um, and a heart of humility. And there's a good reason for that because when we have that sort of, um I almost picture it like a, uh, when we're that flexible or we're, um, you know, our, when we're a, a fresh jar of clay that can be shaped and molded into anything God wants, then obviously that's a material that's much easier to use than something that's hardened like a heart and won't actually listen to the Lord. Then, well, you're probably going to have to go through life and experience some things that you could have avoided if you would have just humbled yourself in the beginning. So, all right, moving on here. We just looked at the ephod. We looked at the note. We looked at the word wealth for memorial. And um, again, word wealths are in my spirit for life. New King James Version Bible, great study Bible. And um, basically what it does is just break down and give uh, definition and context to what's being said with and how certain words are used um, in in the word, uh, the, the word of God throughout, you know, Genesis all the way through Revelation. It really, like I said, like you could see, it says occurring 24 times. Um, it, it's it really gets pretty detailed sometimes. But, you know, it's as you get into the word and study the word and get to know the Lord, that's where I feel bad for people in the world, especially that take a lot of the Bible out of context and don't give it a fair chance and give it a, a fair read, if you will, because they miss so much wisdom, so much knowledge, so much understanding. But, you know, typically people that do that have an agenda as well, and they really couldn't care less. So um, it's a shame. It's sad. But, you know, unfortunately, people make their own choices and um, everybody makes a choice to either believe in the Lord or to deny him deny the work of the Holy Spirit, which is the unpardonable sin. And that's where you get into a lot of trouble. So, you know, God will teach us if, if it's his will for us to be called out of this world, he will call and call and call until we answer or, you know, hopefully you respond before it's too late. So, all right, we're going to move on now to Exodus 39 verses 8 through 21. Um, this part right here addresses the making of the breastplate, and it says, And he made the breastplate, artistically woven like the workmanship of the ephod, of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and of fine woven linen. They made the breastplate square by doubling it. A span was its length, and a span its width when doubled. And they set in it four rows of stones, a row with a sardius, a topaz, and an emerald for the first row, the second row, a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond, the third row, a jathan, a, and a gate, and an amethyst, the fourth row, a beryl, 
and onyx, and a jasper. They were enclosed in settings of gold in their mountings. There were twelve stones according to the names of the sons of Israel, according to their names engraved like a signet, each one with its own name according to the twelve tribes. And they made chains for the breastplate at the ends, like braided cords of pure gold. They also made two settings of gold and two gold rings, and put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And they put the braided, two braided chains of gold in the two rings on the ends of the breastplate. And two, excuse me, the two ends of the two braided chains they fastened to the two settings and put them on the shoulder straps of the ephod in the front. And they made two rings of gold and put them on the two ends of the breastplate, on the edge of it, which was on the inward side of the ephod. They made two other gold rings and put them on the two shoulder straps, underneath the ephod toward its front, right at the seam above the intricately woven band of the ephod. And they bound the breastplate by means of its rings to the rings of the ephod with a blue cord, so that it would be above the intricately woven band of the ephod, and that the breastplate would not come loose from the ephod as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we're going to flip back to Exodus 28. We're going to look at the notes for 15 through 30, where it says, The breastplate was a single piece of fabric folded over to form a 9 by 9 inch square. Twelve stones again symbolized Aaron's bearing Israel before God, this time over his heart. So, again, you know, just very symbolic things, but in the spiritual realm, I'm sure they have a lot of significance there. And um, the breastplate, well, I can't help but think of the armor of God when I think of what the essential um, garments were of the high priest, because they have a very similar type of pattern. Although the armor of God is more patterned after a Roman soldier's um, armor that he would wear while those people, while especially Paul was writing those letters, for example, that's what they saw all the time. And that's pretty much where he got his comparison. But you know, there's also um, a little bit of um, similarity, if nothing else, between the priestly garments and what we see here, um, or what we see with the armor of God that's later mentioned for us to put on daily. Again, very important because, you know, Satan's always coming at us one way or another. You know, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they want to pull you down every chance they get. Because misery loves company, and the more souls that Satan can drag down to hell with him, you see, here's the folly, and here's the sad part. Like, they, he may think he's winning something, but he's really not winning anything. Um, you know, people make their own choices, which, that's a really mind-bending thing when you think about it. The, the souls of men, how they are uh, so sought after, if you will, um, because... If we weren't important, then why would Satan care so much? You know, like if we if we were meaningless and if we were just uh, with just another animal, for example, the way science teaches these days. Well, if that's the case, then why why this constant battle and war that goes on 
for our souls in the spiritual realm and even within us when our when we become saved and our flesh and spirit are constantly fighting against each other within ourselves you know um again once the holy spirit comes in dwells within us that battle really kind of settles and subsides but you know it's a um it's a battle that is very real still even if it's settled and and subsides um you know as long as we're in the flesh we're always going to have those things that are always going to try to pop up kind of rear their ugly heads you know if nothing else satan's always going to try to accuse you always try to say you know well you know he'll try to say you're not saved he'll try to say what what are you doing you know he'll mock you <laughs> he'll say you know he'll place doubt in our minds about any and everything about all the blessings of the lord you know um the good things that god has going in our lives and is doing in our lives he'll always try to throw seeds of doubt in there and um that's why it's important on a daily basis to put on the armor of God, because spiritually that does something that we don't understand. But all I know and understand is this, if we're commanded to do it and instructed to do it, then do it. Because trust me when I say obedience to the Lord will carry you much further in your walk with him than disobedience because you don't want to be living a life of disobedience as a Christian or a life of compromise. Um, it's just not worth it in the end. It's if you, I, I mean, I, again, I don't understand how all this works when it comes to salvation and backslidden and what happens in different scenarios. But I can say that, you know, the Bible does say that names can be removed from the Lamb's book of life. So you know, that does mean that there's some way that people who are in the book of life can be removed from that book. So I did an episode back in season two, I think it was, where I went over the books of heaven. Um, that was some early teaching. Um, I'd like to revisit that someday because I do have some studies that I've heard since then about it. And I'd like to look a little deeper into a couple things. But point of this part and this section and why I mentioned it anyway is to say, again, you have to really, um, you have to understand that um, there's very real consequences for the choices we make every day and our actions. And it's God reveals his ways in his living word. That's why it's very important and essential that we as individuals do a daily dive into his word. It's our spiritual food. We need that food to live spiritually and to survive spiritually. Um, there's not, you know, it's no great big mystery. Um, if you're struggling with things and you're not in the word, well, there's a, a direct correlation there, we'll say. And it's um, very real. And it's something that we have to be aware of. And um, the amazing thing with God is when we really repent and press into him, he responds tremendously. A little bit of faith goes a very long way. So um, don't ever forget that. I've lived it myself. I'm living it now gloriously right now as we speak. And um, I can say God's faithful. He's good. He hears our prayers. He answers them in his divine, amazing time. And you know, I couldn't ask for 
couldn't ask for a better moment in life to be alive and and to be uh, really blessed with him and all he blesses me with every day and the new blessings I receive daily. So let's move on. We're going to, we got a couple, you know, a couple more uh, verses to look at here in Exodus 39. We're going to pick up at Exodus 22 and look from Exodus 22 through 31. This is called making the other priestly garments in my spirit filled life, New King James Version Bible, where it says, He made the robe of the ephod of woven work, all of blue. And there was an opening in the middle of the robe, like the opening in a coat of mail, with a woven binding all around the opening, so that it would not tear. They made on the hem of the robe pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet, and of fine woven linen. And they made bells of pure gold, and put the bells between the pomegranates on the hem of the robe all around between the pomegranates. A bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, all around the hem of the robe to minister in, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Quickly remember that that was to be a warning sign for when people, when the high priest was basically entering and exiting the um, place of the most high, because God himself said, if anybody but the high priest goes in there, they will die. It's that simple. And that's pretty much a commandment. That was the reality. And we'll see in different areas of the Bible where people see God or lie to God or the Holy Spirit. And they suffer very severe consequences for it. So picking up at Exodus thirty nine twenty seven, it says, They made tunics, artistically woven of fine linen, for Aaron and his sons, a turban of fine linen, exquisite hats of fine linen, short trousers of fine woven linen, and a sash of fine woven linen with blue, purple, and scarlet thread made by a weaver, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote on it an inscription like the engraving of a signet holiness to the lord and they tied it to a blue cord to fasten it above on the turban as the lord had commanded moses so again that's exodus chapter 39 verses 22 through 31 so let's look at the um Notes here, we're going to flip back to the notes basically for Exodus 28. Look at a lot of the notes that address most of that section, and it picks up here. The Urim and the Thummim were put in the breastplate. These were some type of device used to understand messages from Yahweh. That's pretty cool. And then um, looking at the notes here for Exodus 28, verses 31 through 35. The robe of the ephod was worn under the ephod and breastplate to remind Aaron of God's nearness. Pomegranates are a round, sweet fruit with a hard rind, which suggested God's fruitful provision. Holiness to the Lord spoke of the devotion and lifestyle of the high priest and Israel by virtue of God's choosing. And then looking at the note here for, let's see. Yeah, we'll continue on. We got a couple more notes to look at. So then we're going to look at all priests needed special garments to establish their authority. Those of Aaron's sons were much less opulent. 
Both Aaron and his sons wore a plain linen garment so as to cover their nakedness. Exposed genitalia were common in Canaanite worship. So again, you know, um, that there was reverence to God. There was reverence. Obviously, this is a very serious role that is to be taken on by um, Aaron and his sons. The roles as the high priests and the priests, the initial, you know, very first ones to represent the people before the Lord. And um, God has his own way for us to worship him in a unique, special way. And he outlines that throughout his word. So if people are ever trying to, again, going back to the legalism thing where the religious leaders were trying to attach things to the gospel, essentially attach the law to the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't ever compromise and fall into legalism. The only thing we need is the blood of Jesus, his amazing salvation through grace, and that's it. There's nothing else. The Holy Spirit fills us. There's absolutely nothing you can do to earn God's favor, to earn God's grace. It is unmerited, undeserved, and a free gift because God loves us and we're his children. It's that simple. Anybody else trying to attach anything to the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are liars and they want power. They want they want you to yield to them, not to the Lord. It's pretty sick, but it's the reality. So be very careful. That's why it's important, again, to know the word on your own so that you can know and you'll, you'll have that spiritual discernment. When you hear something that just doesn't match with the word, your ears are going to perk up. Your spirit's going to be touched. And your soul is going to uh, jump and leap and say, that doesn't sound right. Something's up with that. And then you won't be surprised if you'll see that there's legalism or there's other false teachings or there's a false gospel being preached. So, again, you just have to be very cautious and careful. Um, you know, uh, there's many, many false teachers out these days. And, look, they've always been around. But these days with social media and our communication, they're they're much more uh, prevalent and unfortunately influential. Um, that's why I believe um, a lot of the heresy that we now that we see now, the, a lot of the falling away of the church. What it's you know a big con contributor to that is the communication, the social media, the things like that. You know, and um, you know that's why you see a lot of these really, uh, quite frankly, antichrist type of movements and things that are so popular, both in the body of Christ and in the world, because, you know, it doesn't take, it takes a few, um, a, a few loud, uh, dissents to really pull people away from the truth. And, you know, a lot of people bow down to social pressure, um, you know, professional pressure, whatever it may be to try to fit in and, um, Hey, God help them because you buy into a false gospel just to fit in in this world. Hey, uh, good luck with that. But I, I thankfully and humbly can say that I, I know the truth. The truth sets us free and we are not called to have a heavy yoke or bondage of sin or legalism, but we are free. We have liberty in Christ. That's not a liberty or license to sin, but that's a liberty or license to live 
un, with the chains of sin broken from our lives and to just fully yield to the Lord and to serve and walk out his purposes. It's amazing the the different implications they have and that has, but it's a very real reality to us who live it. So, all right, let's finish up with Exodus 39. We're going to look at ex, uh, chapters 32 through 43 next. This subtitle, uh, this check, this section is subtitled in my Spirit-Filled Life, New King James Version Bible, The Work Completed. So, picking up at Exodus 39, verse 32, it says, Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished, and the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. And they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent, and all its furnishings, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets, and covering of the ramskins dyed red, the covering of badger skins, and the veil of the covering. The ark of the testimony with its poles, and the mercy seat, the table, all its utensils, and the showbread, the pure gold lampstand with its lamps, the lamps set in order, all its utensils, and the oil for light, the gold altar, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, the screen for the tabernacle door, the bronze altar, its grate of bronze, its poles, and all its utensils, the labir with its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars, and its sockets, the screen for the court gate, its cords, and its pegs, all the utensils for the service of the tabernacle, for the tent of the meeting, and the garments of ministry to minister in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and his son's garments to minister as priests, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did all the work. Then Moses looked over all the work, and indeed they had done it, as the Lord had commanded, just as they had done it, and Moses blessed them. So, looking at the notes here for that section, it says, Moses finished the tabernacle God had commanded him to build. So that's it. That's pretty simple. That's our look at Exodus chapter 39. And as we can see, they were commanded. They had a little slip up there with the old golden calf, but then they repented. God forgave them. And not only did he forgive them, he allowed them to carry through with the plans that he had originally had for their lives. And that's just how he is in our life. We're going to have slip ups. We're imperfect. We live in the flesh. We live in a fallen world. We have our good and bad days, if you will. But we always have the Lord to turn to. We always have his amazing word to get into. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us to always tap into and to call upon. And um, don't ever underestimate the power of prayer because prayer is our lifeline to God. As I say, you know, if you had God's direct cell phone number, I mean, you'd call him every chance you got. But the great news is you don't need a cell phone number. You have direct access right now through the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't ever take that access for granted. Embrace that access. Thank God he gives us that access and utilize that access 
Let him use you in whatever way he has for your life, whatever plans he has. Fully yield, fully surrender to the will of God. And let him take you places that you literally did not even know existed in this life. Just as I'm experiencing now with me and more. And just as um, many experience every day. So um, that's going to conclude our look at Exodus 39. Next episode, we are going to finish up our entire look at Exodus when we get into uh, Exodus chapter 40. So until then, God bless and have a great day.